Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joe Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, it's back and it's better than ever thanks to a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season. And that's why it has more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So what are you waiting for? Go on your mobile device right now and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL boxing UFC right down to your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season only at betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports betonline where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod we have a returning guest here I'm so happy to have him on He's an inspiring man. He's always working hard, so I like to surround myself with hardworking people. He is the digital content creator over at WGN-TV and WGNTV.com. He is also the host of Balcony Brew Review. Glad to have him back, Larry Hawley. Happy holidays. How are you, Larry? I'm good, and happy holidays to you and your family as well. It's great to be back on here. Yeah, great to talk to you. And, you know, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I've had you on a couple times, but we're going to start with basketball, Larry, because basketball in Chicago is back. Let's just start with this opening question for you. First of all, with these Chicago Bulls walking into the season, what were your expectations? And maybe piggyback on that, what has surprised you most about this hot start from our Chicago Bulls? I think that my expectations were the Bulls would fall somewhere in the middle I wouldn't even say the bottom, but somewhere really in the middle, the four, five, six range when it came to the to the Eastern Conference. It's where I really felt like they were. Were they a championship contender from what you saw on paper? Maybe not, but you figured that they could battle some of those teams at the top of the East. Those teams that I'm thinking of are the, are the Nets, of course, the world, the, the reigning world champion Bucks. And you also think of the Sixers also in that category as well, with the Hawks falling in there as well. They were awfully close to advancing to the NBA Finals last year. What we've seen, and I think what's most remarkable, is the fact that the Bulls' chemistry, despite having all these new players, despite playing a lot differently than they would have been last year with the team that they have, have really come together in quite a hurry. It's, it's happened a lot faster than I think I thought. Has it happened faster than maybe the Bulls thought? You, you never know. They probably don't want to, you know, you know, I would say shortchange themselves and thinking that they couldn't do this. But I think certainly the Bulls have been better than I think I thought. And I think that have been better than a lot of other people thought. And people here in Chicago, I think, came in with modest to high expectations for what this group might be able to do, considering that our tourist Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley chose not to use the draft and younger players to build, but rather to bring in veterans to aid Nikola Vucevic and to aid, of course, Zach Levine in trying to get to be relevant now. Again, the choice that uh, Karnaschovas made at the trade deadline last year by acquiring Vucevic at the expense of draft picks, want to win now, relevancy. That's something that he talked about when it came when he took the job, when the, the last dance was on, how the Bulls had really fallen out of relevancy. He made these moves to make the Bulls relevant right now, and they've done so. And I'm really surprised with the fact that they've been able to find this chemistry so quickly with DeMar DeRozan being able to very well, of course, before uh, he has entered the NBA's uh, health and safety protocol. Uh, Alex Caruso's contributions have been tremendous. I'm sure Lakers uh, and their fans are very upset that he got away. And of course, uh, as we saw last night, 
uh, Chicago zone, Morgan Park zone, uh, former University of Illinois, first team All-American, first time that had happened in school history, Iota Sumu. All these things have come together, along with strong play from Zach, which, which we expected. It's And of course, Lonzo Ball's contribution, can't forget about him as well. He had a double-double last night with Vooch in the win over the Nuggets. All these guys have really come together relatively quickly to put into Bulls fans' mind that maybe, just maybe, this team could be an outside contender for an NBA championship and certainly an Eastern Conference championship, which I don't think people thought of when they came into the season. For me personally, expectation one was on paper, you see three all-stars and a young Lonzo ball, and you say, okay, this is an interesting start. Maybe we can win a round in the playoffs. And we're only 25 games in, and personally, I'm already elevating those expectations, right? The other part that's really surprised me is my my glib reaction was every single night a team is going to score 130 and 128 and it just depends on what side the bulls are on can you talk about a little bit what you've seen defensively because we live in a world now where it's threes and layups high scoring run up and down action the bulls are running the ball it's not that they're a slow plotting team that drags you down with defense they're a transition team but also this defense on an undersized team has been such a pleasant surprise for me. And I think for Chicago Bulls fans, really, really refreshing to see kind of, it sort of harken back to the olden days of, of how defense can win while also bringing this new modern style offensively into the mix. Yeah, it's been interesting to see how that's transpired. Now you remember watching the last dance, I'd mentioned that before in Karnaschovas' comments. It was incredible to see just how low those scores were, you yeah. know, back in that day and how much the game has progressed. You know, games and sports progress as time goes along. This is where the NBA is. I think you've seen that from having veteran players. They have really tightened down on defense. I think I, I think Caruso, I think the addition of Caruso has certainly helped. Even the addition of Io, a tough defender, defensive player, and what he's been able to contribute. Um, I think of that Nets game, especially with Io, who I think, you know, his contributions off the bench are really incredible. I think it's a combination of having veteran players. I think definitely the skills have been there with the guys that they have. But I think the addition of veteran players, and I think even guys like Caruso on the roster, have really made an impact. And DeSumo obviously has made his impact in being able to help the Bulls defensively and, again, contribute to this start that's a little better than I would consider the modest to reasonably high expectations that Bulls fans may have had coming into the year. And you're mentioning players that I that are, are so key right now to their success because another part of that I think was – I looked at this team and I said, man, we're a little undersized right now. You know, we have Vucevic and we have Patrick Williams playing the four, but when we go small, what is it going to be DeRozan at the four? And what you're bringing up is guys like Caruso and Io, this perimeter defense where the ball's not really necessarily even making its way into the paint. And you've been seeing these situations too where the way that they've counteracted and not getting out-rebounded is, is literally it's a tap-out, right? It's a tap-out of the zone instead of maybe using your size to go up and get the ball. And they're kind of playing against some of their deficiencies in ways that I think are being really successful. In your opinion right now, I'm not saying, you know, we need to make some huge move or anything, but I still am very concerned about their size. And the Bulls have not played, as you mentioned earlier, the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. They haven't played them once yet this season. They've had trouble against the 76ers teams. If we are kind of, if we can maybe look in the, the, the hourglass a little bit early here, would size or three-point shooting, which one would probably be your preference in terms of maybe adding on to this team? That's a good question because obviously you're not going to get Patrick Williams back to at least the playoffs and yeah. you know, due to his injury. And that's a big blow too. I think that's another element to add in there, that the fact that the Bulls have done this without having Patrick Williams, the first pick of the Karnaschovas oh, era, not, not here. I, you know, he's not really played very much. 
you know, the game really dictates getting three-point shooting. It's hard to say. I, I'm kind of caught in the middle. Now, I tend to be like this. I kind of get caught in the middle. I do only think 25 that, games in, so it's fair. It's only very, 25 very games fair. in. You know, this game, you know, let, let me bring a, a reason and an argument for bringing that three-point shooting. Remember the Warriors game uh, out there in San Francisco earlier, and the Bulls were just getting, you know, hit left and right with three-pointers, and you look at a game that was close in the first half, uh, turns into a complete and utter blowout. But that, you know, so I think three-point shooting certainly would help, especially if the Bulls really do have aspirations to try to make a run at an Eastern Conference and an NBA championship, which I think certainly can enter their head. They played well enough to think about it. Yet at the same point, you do wonder, you know, could they get out of the East without adding a little bit more size? Great to have Patrick Williams maybe come back for the playoffs. But remember, second-year guy didn't have much of his second year. Now you're looking at him having to come into the playoffs in a major role. So I think maybe some, a veteran, you know, veteran post player may not, may not hurt. It also wouldn't hurt to get a three point shooter because we've seen obviously how much that can mean in the playoffs right now through 25 games. In my mind, it's kind of mixed because you see the bulls need of size when they face a uh, Philadelphia. Uh, you will see that when they, when they face uh, Milwaukee here coming up, which they will do a fair amount of the time that Yet in the back of my mind, I think of that Warriors game. I think of the trend in the NBA. And that three-point shooting can be so critical in the playoffs where maybe you get that guy who knocks down four or five. You add him to what is there, and suddenly maybe you pick off a game or two and you flip the series. And certainly the current trends in the NBA show that. You know, you look at a DeRozan, they're kind of, a lot of those guys are kind of mid-range guys. You know, so I really think that adding a three-point shooter you want to think, you know, big here. You want to think championship. Maybe that's the way you go. But again, you've got some time before that plays out. But I do think one thing, I don't think Karnaschovas is going to be shy in pulling the trigger on one of these deals, even if it costs them even more draft capital than they've already given up. And remember, because of the Lonzo Ball, the tampering investigation, the Bulls don't have a future second round pick. There's one of those that's going to go away. No picks next year. Yeah. So I'm, you know, again, I don't think the Bulls are going to be shy about collateral, especially considering if they do have a real shot at the championship and, and they want to win now. Again, that standard was set last year at the trade deadline with a trade of Nikola Vucevic. The Bulls are not going to wait to be good. So, but as far as three-point shooting, hate to be the guy in the middle. To me, I see that I, I can weigh the benefit of both. Interesting to see how things play out. And if maybe Patrick Williams is able to accelerate his timeline of return, then that could change things a little bit. Well, I'm going to join you right in the middle with a craft uh, craft brew of your choice because I'm with you. One game, I'm saying to myself, man, we do need some sort of rim protection, right? And I keep having my fingers crossed that, you know, maybe Thad Young gets bought out. And maybe Zach Levine's best friend can find his way back into Chicago. We do have the cap space to do it. But now I'm kind of sort of leaning towards the three-point shooting. And you mentioned the Warriors. I think that by far that was the most terrifying matchup the Bulls have faced all season long. And I'm just looking at these – these creators, these playmakers on the court, if it isn't a Caruso, it's the big guys. It's the Levine, DeRozans, and Lonzo Balls. And how many corner threes have we seen this season? And Derek Jones Jr. was able to make them last night. Can Javante Green, can Kobe White, can Derek Jones, that collection of people continue to hit those corner threes that seem to be wide open in this offense with these passers? That's probably my biggest question right now. And maybe today I'm leaning towards three-point shooting. Maybe by the time we talk again, it will be size, but definitely something worth debating moving forward. I do want to ask you, let's do let's do a little more on Caruso if we can. Now he's out with a hamstring injury. I live out here in LA. I don't get a chance to watch every single Laker game because I'm a Bulls fan. But I have watched a little bit here and I've just talked to friends. And previously for me, all the Lakers fans would just tell me, Man, you don't even you don't understand Caruso. 
he's amazing. He's our favorite player. He's he's right next to LeBron, and they would joke about how great he is. And I have to tell you, he has probably lived up to that myth, that Caruso tall tale, and maybe then some. Just talk a little bit about what you've seen with Caruso and how quickly he's been able to acclimate to the style of his play with Chicago sports. Well, I think, you know, he's a he's an aggressive guy. He plays great defense. Uh, he makes the contributions here and there where you need him. And, and certainly the spark he brings off the bench. He has started a few games. You know, he's been in the starting lineup a little bit. He just tends to be that guy that just does it when they need him to do that. I, I think you can't really underestimate the contribution that he gives, both offensively and especially defensively. And that's why he was signed here. You want to talk about better defense. It really kind of does start with him. And I think he's able to make those contributions in those right moments. And I, you can't underestimate that. And I think it's a reason why he's had success. You know, it's all about like puzzles and how they fit. When we talk about the Bears a little later, we're going to talk about how it's kind of the opposite. But these guys have all fit. DeRozan's found his way to do it. And DeRozan helps Levine and Vucevic when he's been, you know, he had a little bit of time out with COVID. They all just find a way to, to work together. That's why I think with the Bulls, there is this thought that you might be able to dream a little big because every one of these pieces has tended to work exactly when they needed it. So you know, Vucevic is out. You you see Caruso come in and Io come in. They 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 help to add a little bit of defense. They're not going to add the you know inside anything. They certainly don't have that size. But they've certainly done it. I just think Caruso is that he's, he seems like that kind of glue guy that comes off the bench and just makes it work. And I think that the way he's able to do it defensively with with, with what he can offensive with what he can offensively. But again, that defensive end. You want to talk about why they've been good? He's been that. And the Bulls have lacked that player. They've lacked that player who can come in and do that. And guys like players like that are so valuable because you don't know where they're going to come from. You don't know if that guy's going to fit in. And with the way Caruso style works, it just seems to fit wherever he goes. And he's come in here to Chicago and made it work right away. And it's really exciting to see. And it's, and it's something that fans gravitate towards. You know, they're obviously we know the star power that they get, they get with the big three and DeRozan with Levine, with Vucevic. And of course, I think you have to have Lonzo Ball to that. You can't, uh, at the same point, can't underestimate how much he's meant. You know, he put Lonzo, former Laker, and how much he's meant to the team. But Caruso, the, the way he plays, it just helps it all to fit. And I think right now, he's part of a Bulls puzzle that right now really works. And really impressed with the way that he's been able to fit in and how all the Bulls pieces have been able to work right now. If they're going to get challenges. There's going to be adjustments teams will make and the Bulls will have to make that. But for right now, it's it's really all worked. And it's been the contributions of guys like Caruso, but also Paul, DeRozan, uh, you know, Vucevic and, and Levine doing what they can do. And I think even guys that, you know, Stephen Green and Jones and what those guys have done. It, right now, it's all working and, and it's really impressive to watch. And they've all brought it together. I, I am really excited because we are talking about big goals here for the Bulls. And I didn't think we'd really be talking about that, to be fair with you. Yeah. And I keep watching these Chicago Bulls games. And I keep shaking my head and going, Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball is 24 years old. I, you know, I mean, he has truly he's been you feel like he's been in the league already for 10 years. And now all of a sudden he's on the Chicago Bulls. He's only 24 years old. It feels like his whole career is ahead of him. And you're hitting on something that I find very interesting because I think what's kind of happening right now is the Bulls are off to a hot start. You know, they're tied or a half game behind the Nets right now in the East. And people are going around and saying, why is DeMar DeRozan all of a sudden the offensive player of the month? You know, why all of a sudden does this person and that person work? And I think you're hitting on something that a lot of people are missing is that you keep talking about the mix 
and the puzzle that comes together and just take last games uh, you know we're taping this on a Tuesday night just takes last game last night's game against the Nuggets for example there's a lot of moments where I think a Chicago Bulls team of easily the last six or seven years loses that game and even without a guy like a Caruso or DeRozan what I've seen is DeRozan's the guy that comes in and gets those stop the bleeding buckets right when we're maybe scuffling a little bit he comes in just hits that little elbow jumper makes it happen in those crucial moments when you need a defensive stop Caruso comes in kind of knocks the ball loose and next thing you know you have Lonzo Ball who's now initiating transition offense something that we haven't seen in a long time and oh yeah we have a third scorer named Nikola Vucevic who you can take it inside and outside and it's all just kind of falling in in just the right way is it fair to give a lot of this credit a little bit to Billy Donovan as well. And, I mean, clearly I think through 25 games he's the coach of the year. But, man, that seems to be the first piece that Karnaschovas did, which is now really paying off with this group. Yeah, and you have a true coach who has, you know, specialized in winning in the NBA. I think when Jim – that was the, the curious thing, you know, when, when you look – let's just look after Thibodeau. You bring in Hoiberg, who obviously they had their eye on for a long time. He had moments, and I say moments, and that's all he really had. He was not in the league. He was not in the game. This was not a case where he had any NBA experience. And you didn't really see much success out of him, with the exception, when I think of the Hoiberg era success, I think of 2016 and 17, game one and game two of the series against the Celtics, yeah. where they won those two games, when Rajon Rondo was playing with Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler as they could. That's the two games you and think. And if it wasn't for the thumb, right, we might have yeah, won, they won that, round. that You know what? To be fair, they might have won that series because they were coming home. And if you take – obviously, we know here in Chicago a 3-1 lead, and we've seen the you know 3-1 leads can go away. Uh-huh. But if Rondo's there, they might have won that series. I don't know how far they would have ended up going. Are they going to end up to beat Cleveland? No, but they could have won that series. Um, I think what's interesting for me is just to see how much Donovan – has approached this in such a professional manner. Even last year, last year, I thought the Bulls at times were able to really find themselves and do the most with what they could, with what they had at that time. I think when Vucevic came in, it changed things a little bit. It threw a little bit of a wrinkle and the Bulls weren't able to make the playoffs, which I think Karnaschovas really wanted to do last year. But going back a little bit off that tangent, Billy Donovan is a coach who, you know, obviously incredible success in college goes to Oklahoma City and manages to do something there, not only with talent, with proven NBA talent, but did so without that. Remember, in the bubble, they made the playoffs that year after basically shedding a lot, a lot of, their, of their talent. But they still managed to find a way to make the playoffs. They still managed to find a way to make that happen. And I think that you're looking at him as being a true professional coach who's seen teams, who's coached teams that have been at the highest level of the game. That means something. That means something when you are a big market basketball team trying to be relevant and trying to make your mark in the NBA, which frankly they haven't done in at least a half a decade and had really a falling out of what was nearly a great era that we had at the beginning of the last decade when Derrick Rose was there, when a young Jimmy Butler was there, when Noah was there, when Boozer was there. You, you, and of course, Paul, Paul Gasol was there. You know, you are seeing a coach that we didn't see in Chicago for the past couple of years. Somebody who understands the professional game, understands the professional athletes and knows how to adjust what he does and adjust what the team is doing to make that work. Billy Donovan's a veteran. And I think his knowledge and knowledge of how to coach an NBA team, how to coach NBA players has helped this group be able to galvanize 
a little faster than people might have thought, develop a style, develop a system that's going to work, and have success that makes you think perhaps a little bit bigger than you might have thought a little bit before. Donovan takes a lot of credit. He's a, he's a professional and a professional that works in the NBA, a professional that works in a major market with a executive vice president of basketball operations and a general manager who are not looking for a rebuild. They're looking to be relevant. It is the R word that has changed here in Chicago. It is not rebuild. It is relevancy. You have a <laughs> executive that. and a general manager who have made moves to do that and a coach who knows how to do that. And that's so important. Man, I can't agree with you more. And what's been so fascinating about watching him is, yeah, the professionalism, we could feel that last year because I remember, I think we were 17 and 21 at one point, right around that Vooch trade. We were kind of angling at 500 and it was like, oh, wow, this is this is, this is is different brand of basketball. My favorite part about him is you talked about the Tibbs years. I think Donovan does a nice job of working with both styles where I, you've seen him do work with veterans and be successful. And you've also seen his work with guys like uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Lou Dort, and OKC, and now you're seeing it a little bit with Io. Now, I think Io, for him, to his own credit, I think he's worked his way into the rotation. But I think Donovan has been able to reward that. And I think that's something that kind of permeates throughout the rest of the team. I don't know if Alizé Johnson feels exactly the same way at this particular moment. But again, I, I really like his style a whole lot, and I think he's got his his pulse on this team. Before we get off the Bulls, we would be remiss if we did not talk about just Zach Levine. We've been we've been talking for, for so long, and we need to talk about the centerpieces very quickly. Um, really enjoyed, you know, I, I didn't watch every single game in the, in the Olympics, but I did watch some of it, and he was a contributor on that Olympic team over the summer. And his numbers on paper probably look a bit the same as they did last year. I'm seeing a different Zach Levine out there. What are you seeing right now? And is it fair to ask, are his best basketball days still to come? I think they might be. And the reason is, is you're, 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 you're really starting to see how Zach fits into a group that he doesn't have to carry anymore because he had to be, you know, he had to be the guy. If he, you know, last year he had to be the guy to carry the team. And so why I say, I think there might be his best basketball is ahead. Cause I'm really curious to see, now that he does have players around him that can help to produce, he has players around him that can take some of that load off. Where will his game grow? Where will he take off from? And I think it can only get better. And again, you're seeing some of the elements that we've seen over the past few years. Last year, the, you know, excuse me, last, you know, last night when we're taping this podcast, this is on a Tuesday, Monday night, they played the Nuggets at the United Center. You don't have DeRozan, you don't have Caruso, you don't have a couple other guys as the Bulls are kind of dealing with COVID issues at the moment. But Levine scores 32. Uh, we've seen it, uh, his ability, I think, to team with DeRozan and play really well in the fourth quarter. I think of the Knicks game. Uh, New York had the lead uh, off a of Randall Bucket, if I have Julius Randall Bucket, if I'm not mistaken. Levine scores six straight. And then DeRozan scores six straight. So they're both being able to contribute at the right times. I, I'm really excited to see what Zach's going to be because he's going to be a little bit fresher as the year goes on. He's going to be a little bit better as the year goes on. He'll be able to learn something from veteran players, you know, like a DeRozan. He'll be able to get more contributions from a veteran player like Ball. What is his ceiling? Are we going to see him take and make more game-winning shots? Are we going to be able to see him make more spectacular plays? Because he's going to be fresher down the stretch. And one thing we've not seen yet is Zach Levine in the playoffs. Nothing is ever guaranteed in this league, but right now it looks like we're going to get a chance to see him. There's so many elements of Zach Levine's game that we've yet to really see. And I'm really curious to see how they'll develop in these new situations that he's going to be facing. 
he may be facing situations in March and April where he's playing meaningful games for seeds. He really hasn't done that here in Chicago. The Bulls were, you know, really, I mean, really, they haven't been playing for the playoffs very much. You could say last year, but remember, he missed a lot of time due to a COVID uh, issue. So he, you know, he, you know, he had a, a COVID issue last year. So he missed a lot of that stretch. Probably one reason why the Bulls weren't more competitive for those last few seats in the playoffs. So there's such a ceiling here. Zach has played the way I expected Zach to play. And I think that Zach is not having to carry the load like he's had to carry in the past. I also really want to see playoff Levine. And we won't see that obviously here, at least for a couple of months. But all the signs point to the fact that he's doing well. All the signs point to the fact that I think there is some progression. But there's a whole other chapter of that book that we haven't seen yet. And I want to see what Zach Levine does in the playoffs. When those eyes are on him, when the pressure really is there, he just has not had that chance yet. So with a, a year in which he's not going to have to carry the Bulls like he has in the past, it's going to be really exciting to see how he develops his, his game even more. And then when the postseason comes, again, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, but I would think the Bulls are a pretty good chance to make the postseason yeah. what yeah. his game does when he gets there. For those of you tuning, tuning into the pod, we're talking to Larry Holly here with WGNTV.com. And also, if you haven't watched a lot of Bulls games this year, those Bulls-Knicks games are must watch they are appointment viewing so next time you see them on the schedule you got to make that happen you're bringing up a good point about playoff levine which you know we haven't seen yet uh bulls fans also keep in mind there is a book on playoff DeRozan as well and it's not a pretty story as well there are some demons that he needs to exercise most specifically with those toronto years which kind of sort of led to him being i guess expendable in that Kawhi leonard trade so we'll see what happens Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Lightbox. I got news for everybody. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Listing cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a very light price. Only $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in plush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off price so they won't have to they really do make any outfit sparkle so visit lightboxjewelry.com right now to add sparkle to your holiday shopping that's lightboxjewelry.com lightbox diamonds never a dull moment now back to the pod larry uh it's the holiday season i apologize i started you off with candy but now we got to go to the coal uh we got we got to talk chicago bears yeah let's start here for you uh, let's pretend that you're George McCaskey. So first off, you're very rich. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> if you are uh, if you are George McCaskey, what is your New Year's resolution uh, heading into 2022 for your Bears organization? Well, I think first of all, they're going to have to find a way. They're going to have to find a way to fix what's ailed them for a long time. And that is really being able to get a good football structure in place. And I don't know if it's just the head coach and it's just the GM, but whether maybe even higher up in the organization, you know, do they need to think about hiring like a president of football operations? You know, is there some like an overseer uh, similar to maybe what like the Bulls have right now with, with Karnaschovas and then with Eversley? Maybe something similar even what the Cubs had with Theo and then Jed. Maybe they have to think because 
For, and, and this is actually an opinion that's been shared by Jared Payton, a coworker, and, and I've shared it with other co- coworkers. Ike, who's a longtime uh, photojournalist here at WGN, and we talk a lot about football because he shot Bears games now for, for four decades. There is a need for the Bears to really, I think, think outside the box when it comes to how they're making football decisions. It may not just be the general manager. It, it may not just be the coach. They may have to think overall what are they doing to build sustained success in their franchise? Because they really haven't had it now for a really long time. And uh, if, let me do the math right, you know, the, the franchise this year will enter a 36th year without a championship, 85 to 2001. So they're not going to, uh, uh, barring a massive and major turnaround. And because of the seventh seed, they still do have a shot. But I think most people in their minds really thought that was gone early November, probably, you know, realistically. Again, I got fooled last year. I thought after they lost to the Green Bay in Detroit, their foot, their chances for the playoffs were done. That didn't happen because they were able to get in thanks to that extra playoff seed. So nothing's really ever quite over. But if you look at the standings right now, they I think they've got to jump about seven teams to get in. Yeah. The Bears have to think, have to think creatively, have to think outside the box and fixing the problems that have now plagued them, not for the pace era or the naggy era, but it plagued them for a really long time to really build a solid franchise going forward. Because I think it's just more than just going out and hiring a new coach. I I think it's more than that. You have a a franchise QB in place who has shown success and you have, you can't waste that. And I really think that the bears have to think very creatively and outside the box about how they're building their football organization at the top and that's what they have to think about you have to get really creative in doing that you know how you do that they're gonna again they're gonna have to think outside the box this is so much more than just hiring another coach and hiring another gm because i'm not 100 sure that they let ryan pace despite the fact that he drafted justin fields hire a third head coach i there's not a, there's one playoff appearance there's really one one year you you are looking at a success based off of a few picks mainly really in kind of the middle rounds and one again one playoff appearance one shining year that you had in 2018 so they're going to have to be really thinking outside the box here this has to be global thinking and they're going to have to do bulls type of changes they're going to have to do cubs type of changes when you're thinking about this Um, i'm well aware the white Sox did their own rebuild but they did it with a lot of the same people in place they were able to take their philosophy flip it and let rick hahn build they almost opened up another side of rick hahn and in that side really came this fantastic rebuild which actually started you know five years ago just a couple of days ago mm-hmm. when i'm thinking of the bears i think of more with the bulls and with the cubs or they had to switch organizational mindset in order for them to rise to relevancy because they're been trapped in mediocrity now for for way too long ryan pace goes hey everybody look at my fourth fifth and sixth round picks and everyone goes what about the second round and he goes no 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 no, no. don't look over there don't look over don't look, yeah. don't look over there and you're bringing up something and we and this is my question for you would be we're talking about the Chicago Bulls, a complete restructuring. They did move John Paxson around. They just took his power away and kept him within the organization. We've seen the White Sox do that with Kenny Williams in the past. And obviously now, obviously with Theo moving on, Jed gets kicked upstairs. 
and mm-hmm. in comes uh, their new general manager, Courtney Hawkins. So what would be your appetite? I think Nagy, we can both agree, is probably going to be a sacrificial lamb at this point. Mm-hmm. Do you have an appetite for Ryan Pace staying involved? Would you be okay with him becoming a football president of operations with a new chain of command that goes from general manager to coach? Or do you are you more of the mindset of a little bit more of a clean slate across the board? I think it may have to be a clean slate. And I think Pace has done there are draft picks out there. There's depth that he's built. You know, there's there's guys he's been able to find in the middle rounds. But I do think a change is needed. I, I don't know you've had a lot of time to build that up and, and for whatever we talk. All right, let's go back to the puzzle we talked about. Yeah. The puzzle pieces. The puzzle just hasn't fit outside of that one year, outside of that season where the Bears were phenomenal. And then the success that Nagy was able to have at times with that offense, they caught up to him and that second level of adjustment just didn't happen. I think you have to start over. And I, you know, you, you don't root for anybody to get fired, certainly, but you've had now, Pace has now had the two head coaches. He's had, you know, seven years to get that right. And it just hasn't worked. I think you need a new thinking, a new thought process. You need a new group that's going to be able to do that. You need something new. And I think you don't root for anybody to get fired, but they need something new because it hasn't worked. Outside of that one season, it really hasn't worked. The Bears caught lightning in a bottle in 18. And unfortunately, it all went out when, you know, with the double doink, you know, and you hate to put that kind of whole era on the one play. But it really did end up being that one play. It really did end up being that one moment that changed everything. Very similar to how the Cubs were in the Dusty Baker era. For better or worse, that eighth inning of game six of the National League Championship Series ended up really defining what that era was. Not because of the Bartman play, but because of their response to it. And then, of course, the the shortcomings that the Cubs had in the bullpen, which I thought really contributed to that game six meltdown, which you never really hear very much about. But yeah, you're talking about, you're talking about sliding doors, right? Where, you know, game six, if game six Bartman doesn't happen, Kerry Woods home run in game seven and they win that game becomes more paramount. The Randall Cobb game, Jay Cutler throws a touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The narrative changes with Cuddy and with the Cody Parkey situation, Mitch Trubisky leads us down the field with some dynamite throws. He is the hero instead of more of the malign quarterback that he has become and now in Buffalo. And let me put this out there, there. If Parkey makes that kick, he's still probably kicking for the bears today because they invested so much money in him. It's very possible. He's still kicking for the bears today, but again, like you have to start over. You have to, and again, think outside the box. You have to be really creative in thinking about this hire. And that means being creative about everyone you hire. You have to be creative about, you know, the way that you do things. I think you could look at Notre Dame football and what they've done this week. Notre Dame could have gone out and hired the next big name coach. They didn't. They hired a younger coach who has been known for not only his defense, but his recruiting. He has not been a head coach, but understands the modern athlete, understands what it takes to be a coach in this new era. And there's nothing saying there's nothing against experience, but Notre Dame wants to win a national championship. And in that process and trying to overcome this hurdle has looked outside the box. You can get burned for that. There's many examples of doing that, but the bears really have to look outside the box of what their organization has done in the past and really look for something that's going to work. And I really think they have to look outside the box. And yes, that does include Ryan Pace leaving. That does include Ryan, uh, Matt Nagy having to leave as well. You have to clean house. That's how this has to work. 
Um, I want to ask you about probably what might be your head coach of choice in just a second, but I do want to ask you about Justin Fields. Now, here is my here's my game plan, and I think we're a little bit in line in the same sense. And look, again, firing people, it's never a fun job, but again, it's something that you do. When we're talking about restructuring and cleaning house, sometimes it's a little bit more about sending a message than anything else. My personal opinion would be that you start Andy Dalton this week against Green Bay, and you give Justin one more week to heal, even if he's practicing, even if he's feeling good. This guy's the future. It's broken ribs. you got to make sure that you protect the kid. You bring Dalton out there against Green Bay. In theory, you lose that game, and you fire Nagy after this final Green Bay game. The reason why you do the Green Bay game, in my opinion, is if you look at the schedule, Vikings, Giants, Seahawks, Vikings. All of those secondaries, you're not writing home about and saying, oh, wow, what a, what a, what a daunting task this is. Those are all vulnerable secondaries. And you create an environment and a culture that says we're already turning the page and you give a four-game stretch of Justin Fields where the Bears universe now completely revolves around him and what is best for him. And you try and salvage a sense of momentum that is detached from Nagy into an offseason, which then maybe gets you into a head coach. What is it? What are you looking for from Justin Fields the final game? Final four or five games. Are you looking to protect the kid? Do you want to see some progress? Or at this point, you've kind of seen enough. You just want him to maybe get into the offseason and start again. I think there's always experience that can be gained from playing games. So if he's healthy and ready to go, it would be great for him to play against Green Bay in that environment because he's going to be back up there a few times. Mm -hmm. So I think if he can play, I think you play. If he's not healthy, no. I mean, no, I, I agree with you. If he's not healthy, you don't start him. You don't play him until he is healthy. I do agree with that. If he's still in pain, if he's still having issues doing stuff, you don't play him. And he's a tough but if he is healthy, like yeah. yeah, if he's healthy, I play him. I think these are games in which he can learn from. I think these are games in which I think he can gain experience that's going to be really important for him. I think the playing of Justin Fields is something that really should have happened this year. Um, I could come up with a hundred reasons why. I, you know, because there was that argument before the season, start him, rest him, start him, let Dalton take it. So I was in favor of letting Dalton start early. And my argument was the Bears offensive line. You didn't know where it was going to be. And I believe the last time that we talked, they didn't even have Jason Peters yet. And, and Tevin Jenkins wasn't even hurt yet. So you were looking at possibility of starting a right, a rookie right tackle and a rookie left tackle, which now will probably happen at some point, because I assume Tevin will get the start here. But going on the tangent, I, I think for me, it's, it's for really, I, I would like to see what, like, I, there are moments you look for. I remember the San Francisco game. I remember the, that run he had in the fourth quarter for the touchdown. There's that moment. Then you have, you know, I remember the throw. There were a couple of throws in the Pittsburgh game. I remember a throw in the second half to Cole Komet uh, that, that led to either. Jimmy Graham seam, the seam pass to Jimmy Graham. The Cole Komet pass and then that. Yeah, the Komet pass. And then, of course, the, uh, you know, the Allen Robinson pass, which oddly enough, that's the one he got hurt on. So he had admitted to reporters uh, during the Detroit week that that was actually the pass play that he got hurt on when he got shoved out of bounds. And then, of course, the Mooney touchdown. I want to see there's plays you want to see like that. You want to see what he can do. I really, you know, maybe trying the deep ball, trying to throw. You want to see what kind of chemistry he can continue to develop with Darnell Mooney. You see a combination there. I really want to see what he can throw if Allen Robinson can come back sooner than later, because you've got a decision to make with Robinson. And you want to see if there is a connection there between Fields and Robinson, because that's a really important part of where you're going forward in 22 and in the immediate future, because you've got to make a decision on Allen. And I think that Allen Robinson, 
it, look, he caught 100 passes with Trubisky and Foles in an offense that had not really found a way to utilize either quarterback. He caught 100 passes. So I really want to see what he can do in that combination. There's just so much there. Like you're looking for moments and experience. And that's what I think you want to see out of Justin Fields to look and go, that would be great. And for him to have those moments, for him to have in his, you know, into the memory bank and the database, when he does come out next year and he does play for what I believe will be a new coach, even if the Bears were able to pull off these final five games, you know, which would be remarkable. You want to have those experiences. And I think that's what you're looking for, for him to get that opportunity to have those moments, to get those experiences and to get that feel of NFL football as he then hopefully takes the next steps in towards not becoming just a franchise quarterback, but becoming an NFL elite quarterback, which I believe. And I, I think there are other people out there who have been in the game of football, believe that he can have. And, this is what's so funny about this Bears season, and it isn't because they added an extra game to the schedule, but I think a lot of Bears fans right now are downtrodden, angry, upset, apathetic, whatever adjective you want to use, get rid of Nagy. They're chanting it from the rooftops everywhere, you know, up and down uh, the North Shore all the way to the South Side. But what's so funny about this, Larry, is that the Bears actually do have this opportunity, and this is what you're talking about right now, these final four or five games. When he comes back, when Fields comes back, you got to make sure that he's healthy enough to make sure that one shot isn't going to probably take him down for because you want to see as many games as you can. And there is a world, which is why I'm, I'm not, the, the I'm not the you know naggy sucks kind of guy, but I just think the reason why you maybe let him go sooner than later is that there is a narrative that can be crafted as you go into this off season, of we are detached from our coach Matt Nagy is not a part of it anymore. Justin Fields shows you some of those moments, get some of that momentum. We have Tevin Jenkins, our second-round left tackle, finally show up and maybe get some reps on the field. You see some good things against some teams that probably have some vulnerable secondaries, and you walk into the offseason saying to yourself, holy cow, you know, we just got through the season with the rookie quarterback who all of a sudden looks pretty good. Our left tackle is now on the field. The coach is gone. Khalil Mack had foot surgery. Hakeem Hicks missed most of the year. And all of a sudden, you look at this, like, currently the opposing record of the teams that the Bears have played this year are 78-41-1. And, and if you add the Detroit Lions, which I didn't do, which I now will do, it's 80-59-2, which is still a really good record, right? And there's a world that you can wrap your head around. Suddenly, maybe optimism happening at Hallis Hall. They just need to kind of, as you said, I think the clean house needs to come sooner than later to start building that optimism into what could hopefully be the momentum that's needed into this offseason coming up. Yeah. And I, you know, I've thought about it I, personally, in my opinion, the time to get rid of Nagy came and went, because I really believe that the Thanksgiving holiday offered them the chance that with the, with the break, if they were going to make what would be a seismic move for the franchise, because they've never done it before. As I said, this year, the only time a coach left mid season was 1942 at George Hallis. And that was to go to world war II in the United States Navy. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to make a seismic move like that, I really think the chance to have done it has come and gone. Well, can they do it? Sure. And there, as I always said, they've never done it, but there's always a first time, right? There's always a first time. I kind of think in my mind, if in 2014, when they were embarrassed against Green Bay that year and they didn't fire Trestman, I always thought in my mind it would never happen. Oh, wait, I thought wait, it real would... quick, was that the was that before the the was that the back-to-back 50 burger against the Patriots and then Packers or was that uh a... yes uh, well you know what I don't I'm trying to remember which order it was in 
Yeah, it was one of the. I I remember the pain. I don't remember the specifics. I'm right there. Yeah, you know, I'll look it up. I know the Patriot game. The Patriot game was the 50 pointer. That was like a noon game. And then I remember the Sunday nighter. That was the one that I think really, that was the one where you go, my God, that's really embarrassing. Like, you know, I remember that one very specifically. Even back in the day, I remember watching that game and going, wow. Like, so I was still in Indianapolis at that point. And you look at that and you go, really, boy, that's like, they're, that's really bad. And it also followed on the heels. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Joey. You know, in 2013, the Bears were going with a shot to clinch the division the week before the whole Randall Cobb thing happened. And they surrendered 54 points to the Eagles on a Sunday night. Oh, my uh, God. 54 no 11. Yeah. And they gave that up. And that was kind of where you saw the cracks start to form. I just had a look, Sean McCoy flashback in my mind, and it just triggered yeah. a lot of awful things. And thoughts. it was bad. Uh, I want to look it up. I did look for it. It was New England by week and then Packers. Gotcha. So, you know, they had a shot to do that and didn't do it that night. That's the kind of why I've always been a little bit like, eh, maybe they won't do it. Maybe they just won't do it at this point. But it could, it, it could send, uh, yeah, it could send sure. a message. I mean, whether that actually resonates up at up at House Hall with McCaskey and the guys, you know, who knows? And then you I get the know. whole thing of like, is Ryan Pace firing Matt Nagy, and and what do we do, and all this other stuff. But yeah. I just see this as after this Packers game, there's a four game window here, just like the Trubisky, like mm-hmm. just like Trubisky last year, where we got that nice little schedule. I think it's set up well for Fields to have success. Mm-hmm. And I just want it to now be get this naggy distraction out of the way. And this is Justin Fields' team, his franchise moving forward. Mm-hmm. And you can have this nice little stretch heading in the offseason, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And it's a thought, you know, I mean, maybe it would be more appealing or thoughtful to me if the Bears had someone on the staff that they were targeting to maybe be their next guy. You know, I've thought about, is there anyone on the staff? I mean, I, uh, who becomes head coach? I, I assume it, it, I, maybe Chris Tabor takes that job since he had it for the one game. The create a really interesting choice would be if they gave it to Sean Desai, if he were to take the interim head coach. I, I keep, I, you know, I keep thinking of, you know, I've really thought about it. Like, is there anybody on the staff? If you're going to do this, like, like who is the guy? It, you know, maybe Desai is the guy. You know, not laser. We both can agree on that. It's, I don't think I so. Like... I mean, I don't think we've seen a dynamic bear, Bears offense. Now, if the Bears offense were dynamic and were dysfunctional in other ways, okay, then you want to do that. I, I just don't. I, I don't see. I don't know. I don't know. I guess if Sean decides a guy you want to take a look at, uh, again, we think about it. You know, that would be. You know, Sean decides been with a franchise almost a decade. Maybe yeah. if you want to take a look at you know, that option, maybe you take a look at that option. I, well, let's, maybe... let's roll this forward real quick. Do you have a couple of pet favorites in terms of these head coaching choices out here? Ryan Day's name gets thrown a lot. Jim Harbaugh, all of a sudden now back in the mix, Leslie Frazier, Todd Bowles, those kind of retreads. Personally, I, I think it's a little pie in the sky, but you know what? So is Joe Madden coming to the Chicago Cubs. I think it's time that we break the bank and work our way into a situation where Sean Payton comes to Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And that would be a seismic, that would be a true seismic kind of thing. And that would be a, you know, that would be a bulls move where you bring in, you are bringing in a guy who has won a Super Bowl championship, who has been on the cusp of winning, you know, probably another one. Uh, You know, if they don't have a really bad call in that NFC championship game Mm -hmm. uh, in the 2018 season, they very well could have won that game against the Patriots. I, you know, I think that, you know, certainly the Rams went to that Super Bowl against a very experienced team not really having, uh, 
you know, that experience. And, and it showed a little bit in a game that might have been winnable, but the Patriots had tremendous veteran talent and those veterans showed up when they absolutely needed Sean Payton would be, that's a, a guy to really go get. Funny thing you bring that up in Indianapolis when the Colts were looking for a coach, you know, when they were looking for somebody, you know, Sean Payton's name really came up late in the Pagano era, you know, as somebody, hey, maybe we have Andrew Luck. Maybe this is a guy that we go get, you know, you know, maybe Payton's time in New Orleans had kind of gone. Maybe those glory days had kind of come and gone. Uh, Peyton certainly is a guy to think about. Uh, you would probably, it would be a hefty price, oh, but that 13, would be a bold 13, 14 million and his contracts through 2025. So you got to work that out. But again, if he went to Mickey Loomis and they came to some sort of agreement, Loomis gets to build his own franchise. Peyton gets to go where there's a quarterback. The only thing that's probably standing in the way right now is if the Cowboys somehow fall short um, and the McCarthy, mm -hmm. the Peyton to the Cowboys thing has been around for years and years. I could see mm -hmm. that maybe being a deterrent or an obstacle. But outside of three first-round picks, what do the New Orleans Saints do for Sean Payton to win in the next five years? I don't know. I don't think they're drafting somebody, and I don't think they're putting up three first-rounders for Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers because yeah. I think that ties their hands and their cap is bad. So him moving to a new situation and the Saints get a clean start – Feels kind of like everybody wins. You just got to write a big check if you're the Bears. Yeah, and I think that would be again. That's that's a major market team move right there, and that would be bold. And 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 you know what? I hats off to that again. That's that would be an outside thinking kind of thing for the bull for the Bears to do. And if they were able to do that and go get Sean Payton, that would be tremendous. Um, as far as other, um, maybe you think of again. Desai is an interesting. Guy who's been around, you want to look at somebody who views the job in a much different way. Um, maybe something like a Brandon Stanley, what he's been able to do out. Um, missed it you know, by a year. Thought. You missed that's, it. He used to yeah, be ours. And I was going to, you know, I was going to mention him, you know, before when talking about Desai, but I can come on to save it for this conversation. You've seen the success that he's been able to have with a new view on things, a, a new perspective, that, a, a younger perspective that might work. Again, not trying to short experience here, but sometimes you do have to think outside the box. Maybe to size that guy, and size certainly knows a lot about the franchise. He's been here for quite a while now, yeah. a couple of coaching regimes. Maybe you give him a chance. Maybe he's a guy. You can look at the coordinators. You, you can look for you know, you know, who's ever out there. Byron Leftwich for, you know, I think under the tutelage of Arians, uh, you know, certainly he's, you know, had the advantage of working with a legend in Tom Brady, but they've been able to have a lot of success down there. They've been able to do some things down there to, to change things. So I think Leftwich is a guy that keeps coming into my mind as uh, someone who's played in the league, uh, somebody who has been a prospect himself and has found success in the NFL. I would be really interested to see what he could do. Leftwich keeps coming up because I view him as someone who has played the game at a high level and has coached at a high level, has coached a quarterback who has been at the highest level. You know, Brady's in the conversation for the greatest quarterback of all time. So Byron Leftwich is a little bit on my mind. But again, you have to be inventive. Ryan Day's an interesting thought. With Fields, it would be an out-of-the-box move. Again, you, are, you have to see how the move from college to pro would work. And that's, that would be very, very, that would be quite one of those things that you're a genius or you're really in trouble if you make that move and it doesn't work out. But if you make that move and it works out, you're a complete genius. That is a truly risky move. Um, but again, with tremendous payoff, if, if, you, if you have the guts to do it, you do it. 
So I, I think Sean Payton, those, again, we've talked about the three levels there. We've talked about the proven winner. We're talking about the Joe Madden. You go get Joe Madden. We've talked about that move. You, we've talked about the a new, the newest, the hot assistant. You know, there's a couple out there. I just pointed out Leftwich because that's a guy that I've kind of thought about. No, QB friendly. With, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and the Leftwich. Then you go with the really out of the box, which would be a Ryan Day. And maybe some would say it's not out of the box because Justin Fields is such success under him. But again, you would be looking at a highly successful college coach coming to the pros and hoping that that could work. We've seen it not work a lot. We've seen it work, but seen it not work a lot. So that that has its own inherent risks. It, again, it's going to take having somebody, I, I, again, above them to really have that structure and to find if they have an organizational thought process, very similar to what the really, I kind of think of the Bulls because that's kind of what the move would make. The Cubs knew they were a long, long way from hiring the guy that they were going to, that was going to take them to championships. I don't think that's the mindset the Bears can have. With Justin Fields and some of the veterans that you mentioned, a Khalil Mack, uh, with the Akeemix, again, if they want to bring some of these guys back, they want to bring Allen Robinson back, then this is the thought. This is the thought. So I'm really curious to see which one of those paths the the the, the Bears will go down. Will, will they go down the Will they go down the higher, the veteran, the high in the, the pie? Will they go with a cre really creative move? Maybe you put the Desai, I kind of put the Desai, those are the four categories I have. I have the Desai kind of in the internal candidates. I have the assistants, the well-proven assistants who are looking for their chance to be a head coach. And then the kind of really outside the box choices. And that's where they are, depending upon the management, which one, which management path they choose, that's where they go. Whatever it is, I just want them, whatever the move is, I just hope that it, it it says the word serious on it. And that's what mm -hmm. Billy Donovan to the Bulls felt like to me, serious. Mm -hmm. Joe Madden to the Chicago Cubs, serious. And uh, whether we like him or not, we've talked about him on this pod. Tony La Russa means serious. Uh, mm -hmm. My final question for you before we get you out of here, Larry Hawley, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Mm -hmm. Again, content producer for WGNTV.com. And also, Balcony Brew Reviews. Coming weekly, get ready for all those wonderful holiday yeah. brews that are coming right out on the corner. Um, just in general, this will be a little open-ended, but we saw the Chicago Cubs. Obviously, labor hold out right now, MLB strike, all that good stuff. But when it the finally thaws on the lockout and the doors are open again, Marcus Stroman to the Cubs, $71 million. Is that the Is that the biggest contract that's going to be handed out to a Chicago baseball team this winter? And if it is not, is it going to be a bigger contract going to the White Sox or to the Cubs? I refuse to rule out the White Sox because they are so close to competing for a world championship. And Rick Hans pulled surprises before. I remember early in 2019, they were slow and then they made a flurry of moves. I wouldn't totally rule it out. I wouldn't totally rule anything out with the White Sox, to be fair with you. I think that they're on the verge of a championship. Jerry Reinsdorf, who loves baseball, who got into sports and baseball, you know, maybe he's entering the, the end of his stewardship of the franchise. You, you know, maybe he's looking at, you know, at some point, you know, this is, you know, he's already had his world championship and would love another. So maybe I would not rule that out. You know what? I'm going to go on a limb and say, I don't think so. And it may be the Cubs who end up offering the bigger deal. Maybe, you know, we saw Stroman pushing for Correa and we've seen reports that the Cubs are in on him. Maybe the Cubs make an organizational change that we want to do this. Maybe they surprise us all and do something. I just wouldn't rule the White Sox out. I know they haven't made a lot of moves, but I wouldn't rule the White Sox out in any 
shape or form? Because let me present this option to you. What if the Cubs sign a major free agent again and the White Sox make a major trade? Remember, Craig Kimbrell is still on their roster. I don't think they're going to try to make what they tried to do work last year, especially now with, with Kendall Graveman you know, signing now to probably take that role. Oddly enough, funny, he was a Cub. It is funny that he was a Cub and he was there and, you know, he was basically in the minor leagues the whole year recovering from after I believe he had Tommy John in Oakland, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had a couple of rough years and then, yeah, I think he went into the TJ and then, you know, I mean, he had a great season last year, but he's a bit of a fingers crossed for me. Yeah, it it is. And and you're not alone in in saying that with White Sox fans. So unless you want to, you know, unless the White Sox are thinking, hey, let's try this again. Let's go Graveman, uh, Kimbrell, Hendricks. Then, you know, in that case, my guess is that Craig Kimbrell is going to get traded somewhere. So, you know, the White Sox could make their impact through a massive trade. You know, they have some prospects that are still in the system. Maybe that's the way they choose it. So I'm not ruling it out, but I'm going to actually say, in my opinion, I think there could be one more major signing coming to Chicago. And I'm I'm not sure which side that's going to be on. And again, I'm not sure when they're going to be making these signings because, this is new territory. We're now a generation removed from the 94 strike. So people are forgetting about the fallout and the hurt of that strike. So, you know, with the player divisions that have been built that were kind of sewed over what happened in 2020 when they were trying to restart everything, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think they'll lose the year, but they could have a little bit of a delay here. There could be some delay to this season uh, coming up here. So I don't know when they're going to sign. I'm hopeful the season starts on time. But we'll have to see just how much animosity has been built up. You know, remember in 2002, Major League Baseball almost had another work stoppage, but it was only about eight years removed from what had happened in 94. And the sides kind of got together and made sure that didn't happen again because the memories were clean. They were, were clean. They were clear. That's not necessarily the case this time. So I don't know how long this is going to stretch out, but I do think there could be one more major signing coming this way. I wouldn't rule out either team. I know that's in the middle, but I think the White Sox very well could make their biggest impact with the trade. Yeah, you hear a lot of stuff about the White Sox and the A's talking a lot, and I've seen the rumor of the Kimbrel to the Phillies for John Shakura. Uh, actually, I would love that. I think that's a great move for the South Side. My only thing with Correa, and I think he's a great baseball player, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I'll be honest. You know, yeah. He's a third baseman eventually. And let's be, if we want to just talk AAV really quick, you in theory could do Castellanos and Schwarber for the next three or four years at the same price you would get a Carlos Correa and you'd have mm-hmm. to give him six or seven or eight or whatever the yeah. number is. So and, I don't. I, yeah. And I, I could see Cast, you know, Castellanos fitting in really on either side of town. I, I'm surprised actually he hasn't been brought up more even with the White Sox because Where's the White Sox? The White the Sox. Right the fielder. Team. The right fielder of the dream. Yeah, I'm surprised that name hasn't come up. That's why I said the Sox could surprise and sign him. Yeah. I, you know, I know that there's a lot of thought that he would go back to Chicago. He obviously had a great time there uh, when he was there at the end of the 2019 season. He makes a lot of sense for the White Sox. I just see something like that maybe happening for the Sox. I mean, right now they have a, they have two holes. They have second base. And I'm curious right now if they regret trading Nick Madrigal for Kimbrel, which they might, they made the move. It was a smart move. They were looking to make an ironclad bullpen and it just didn't quite work out. But if you had Madrigal second and Madrigal showed, I mean, I mean, you Madrigal showed his ability, you know, obviously to hit with two strikes, but obviously he showed his abilities at second base. You'd be looking at really and just filling right field. 
And then I think maybe adding another really quality starter if they wanted to, to do that. So I'm really curious. I, I really am curious to see how this shakes out. I wouldn't be surprised with a, a, a shock either way. I really wouldn't. Again, I, I, I'm not ruling anything out because I think Han has been, has surprised whenever you think they're not going to do anything or you don't think they're going to, they do something and they've shown the ability to be aggressive. They just tend to be very locked on when they do it. So I wouldn't rule it out. I actually agree kind of with the Schwarber thing. I, I think Schwarber could be back. I was actually talking about that with somebody today. I think Schwarber could make a lot of sense. The Cubs need to add somebody in their outfield, uh, specifically in left. DH NL, left-handed power hitter. Those yeah. things don't grow on trees. Yeah. They certainly don't grow on the trees of free agents do next year. Yeah, and he, he gets a little bit of that mojo back with a really strong season that, that he was able to have in two places. Another postseason, obviously, he was able to get. You know, I, I assume Ian Happ's probably your, your center fielder for right now. You know, I think. And you hope that Brendan Davis comes up, and let's yeah, be honest, you decide on corner outfielders, and you probably stick Jay Hay out there for some yeah. days. And, uh, you know, and Hayward's still got, I believe, two years left on that contract. So I'll throw one out there to you real quick. You know, is it strange to you that they just won the World Series and Freddie Freeman made it all the way through the market? Uh, it is still out there. I, and then, look, I'm not saying anything. Bit. I'm not trying to tie it to anything, but. That is a really curious piece out there, and that's something. If you do have a DH, I you know I would almost be maybe I know it's a few years older than Correa. That's also something. If you're going to spend buku bucks, if you're the Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. a guy like Freddie Freeman kind of makes a lot of sense too as well. I, I haven't read anything about that. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, it would be a throw out there kind of thing. I think he ends up probably back in Atlanta. I just, I don't know why they've taken so long. I think he does. I mean, it, it is a throw out there. I mean, that's a guy, I guess if the Cubs really were thinking about winning now, which I think they need to do because I don't think they can, they can't really waste any time. They have to have a team ready for when some of their prospects do come up. You know, when Marquez comes up for, for sure. And, you know, Brendan Davis, you mentioned, it, it's kind of a matter of time for him. And then another guy in the minor league systems at Howard, the draft pick from 2020. I think he's going to be a fantastic ball player. So you're looking and at all the Darvish the- kids are 19. You know, all the Darvish kids are 19, 20. So that's that's four years yeah. down the road, Cubs fans. We got to yeah. do something in the time being before yeah. that pans out. Yeah, and so you've got some stuff there, and, and even some of the guys that the Cubs got in the trade did did all right. Uh, but, you know, and I think you know, there's so, like I said, they they got to have a team ready to go. So I'm I'm curious what they'll do. It, it is an interesting off season. I, I would say nothing is off the table for the Cubs thanks to the Stroman signing. And I would also think at the same time that nothing is ever off the table with the White Sox based on where they are in their competitive window. I don't think anything, you know, I always think even with the Cubs in 16, remember everybody thought Dexter Fowler was gone. And then nope. walked out. No, he came back. He came back as you do that. When you make those moves, when you're ready to win a championship. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have you back on the pod one random day and we'll talk about the cubby core and why and how that was broken up and all that other stuff. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see, obviously, you know, the Carlos Rodon, someone that we know on the South side, maybe all of a sudden on a one-year deal or incentivated two-year deal in Chicago, all of a sudden you're looking at that Cubs rotation and you're saying, um, okay, this is all of a sudden something yeah. could become the strength of the team very quickly. Uh, Larry Hawley, man, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Great to have you. WGNTV.com to check out his work. But please do tell the good listeners right now how to follow you on all the socials, how to check out your content. Because, man, you're pumping out stuff all the time, keeping your pulse on Chicago sports news, not just a professional, but also in the college and all across the board. All right, so you can find me on Twitter at Holly Sports, H-A-W-L-E-Y Sports. That's all one word. Uh, uh, Instagram is L Holly, um, L-H-A-W-L-E-Y. Uh, 
80. So it's L Holly 80. And then on TikTok, it is Holly Sports. Um, if you want to find me on Facebook, just friend me. It's Larry Holly. No big deal. So either way, if you want to do that, if you want to find me there, also work at WGNTV.com. Uh, click on the news now, WGN News Now, which is our digital product that launched in June. You can find me there or on the sports page as well. They're all there. Larry, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for always taking the time to come back on the pod, man. Uh, I love talking to you. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and your family. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. 50% off their first welcome bonus when you use the promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0. And also Lightbox Jewelry doing some excellent deals, not just for the holidays, but beyond. We're so happy to have them as a sponsor moving forward. So Lightbox Jewelry, make sure you check it out. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. We will be back soon. Until then, remember, when in doubt, always Bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.